You ever had something in the future you really look forward to? Or, or maybe there's something right now you're really looking forward to. You know, something like retirement, maybe, or the birth of a, a child or a grandchild. Maybe buying your first house or buying your dream house or buying that house on the lake that you've thought about for years. Maybe it's running your first marathon as a bunch of people did yesterday, some from this church up at Duluth at Grandma's. Maybe it's a graduation, yours or a child's. Maybe it's a wedding. Maybe it's a wedding of a, of a child or a grandchild. Or maybe it's even your own wedding that you're looking for and in, looking forward to in anticipation. We, we had uh, Conrad here. Used to be Con, now he's Conrad. And Victoria, who some of you know is Tori. But they changed their name this week. Back to their given names of Conrad and Victoria, I'm sure their parents don't know, in anticipation of the major event that's coming up next month. Maybe you're like me, when, when you're thinking of that big day, you, you got out a pen, you get out a calendar, and you start crossing off the days in anticipation of that day coming. I suppose there's an app for that now, isn't there? Well, back in my day, well, we won't go there. You think about that day, what it'll be like, how it'll change your life, becomes the focus of your thoughts. When you have a bad day, you think, but in that day, it'll be different. You can start to live for that day. In fact, it can become the very center, the very focus of your life. You think in that day, Well, that's the focus of our passage today. If you turn to chapter 12 of Isaiah, verse 1. You will say in that day, I will give thanks to you, O Lord. For though you are angry with me, your anger turned away that you might comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust. I will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Let's take a look at that. First off, we have to remember that the chapters, the original books of the Bible did not have chapters. Chapters came in around 1200, at least the modern way of doing chapters came in around 1200. So, so really the fact that there's a chapter break, 11 and 12 are essentially the same passage. So what we have today is essentially a continuation of what we had last week in the passage we went through in 11. And we can tell that when it starts off what you say, in that day. What day is that? That's the day that we referred to last week, that, that day when the sprout from the stump of Jesse, Jesse being King David's father, that Messiah, that promised king, the king who will reign eternally, that offspring of David, that day that we look forward to. Now, some people commented after last week how when they looked at verses 6 through 9, when we looked at that, how amazing that was. How 11, 6 through 9, the wolf shall dwell with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, the calf and the lion and the fatted calf together, and a little child shall lead them, the cow and the bear shall graze, the young shall lie down together, a nursing child shall play with, over the hole of a cobra. That idea of the peace and the security. How amazing that is. How different that is 
from the world we know. He follows that, that vision that he lays out, God through Isaiah, with two in that day, ten in that day, eleven in that day. And in those descriptions, we saw last week how he talks about calling people to him. First, he starts off with the remnant of the Jews. We've talked about this before. We start out with the Israelites, this mass of people that he creates or he puts together coming out of the Exodus, out of Egypt. And over the years, it shrinks because there's, there's remnants, people that believed, and we see that come down and come down. And now we're talking about the remnant, those Jews that believed in Jesus Christ as the Son of God. But he doesn't stop there. He calls people from all, from the four corners of the earth. Calls them to them through faith. Now, in that day, what is that day? That day is really fulfilled twice. And both are related to the comings of Jesus Christ. His first coming is the first fulfillment. Introduces God's kingdom on earth. It's the beginning of salvation through the atoning work of Christ. It breaks down the barrier between man or humans and God that is created by sin. That has separated people from God since the Garden of Eden. And all this prepares for the way of the Holy Spirit to come in and to bring people together, what we call the church. And the church becomes the spearhead of the advancement of the kingdom of God. This process of calling people continues. And the second coming is when Jesus Christ returns, and that's the completion of the salvation process and the fulfillment, the complete fulfillment of the vision that he lays out in 6 through 9. And then we come to this week's chapter. And he tells us the people's response to this day, that day that will come. And their response will be one of amazement, one of thanksgiving. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, in that day. For though you were angry with me, we got to stop there. We tend to not want to think of God as angry with us, right? In fact, we don't even like to think of God as getting angry. We often think, well, how ungodlike is that? We humans get angry. In fact, he, gets, he tells us not to be angry. How can God be angry? And especially, how can he be angry with us? Isn't God all about love and grace? And besides that angry God, isn't that in the Old Testament? We're New Testament people. We live in the New It's all grace, mercy. It's all good. He wouldn't get angry with us. Well, part of that is true. There is only one God. First, we have to acknowledge that. The God of the Old Testament, the God of the New Testament, same God. And almost all the examples or all the English translations of the word that we translate anger are almost all found in the Old Testament. So we can derive from that that the only time God gets angry is in the Old Testament. Ah, there's a problem with that. See, instead of the word anger, the New Testament uses the word wrath. And wrath, according to the dictionary, is an intensification 
of anger. It's like anger to the next level. It's anger with consequences. In fact, to be under God's wrath, we'd want him to be angry instead of being wrathful toward us. And wrath has consequences. Consequences today, but also consequences in eternity. But in that day, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, for though you were angry with me, your anger turned away that you might comfort me. In that day, however, his anger, his wrath, will turn away so that he can comfort us. That seems like kind of a big deal. God is angry, wrathful, that we're under that wrath, and for some reason, it turns to not only being neutral, not only being less angry, not being less wrathful, he turns to a place where he actually wants to comfort us. That's a radical turn. One of the most radical turns we can find in all of existence. But why? Why does he turn? Verse 2. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. He's become my salvation. He is the reason he has turned from wrath to comfort. It doesn't say in here that I have done it. It doesn't say that we have earned anything. God has turned from being angry, being wrathful, to being one of seeking to comfort us, and he's turned himself. Now we have to acknowledge in this passage, he doesn't doesn't lay out that plan of how this happens. He doesn't give us the particulars in this particular passage. Though in Isaiah, throughout the chapters of Isaiah as we're going through it, he will give us virtually every part of that in speaking of the Messiah. But luckily, we've read ahead. We know a little bit more about this story than what Isaiah is giving us just in chapter 12. We, we know that, that even though we are dead in our sins, controlled by the world, controlled by Satan, controlled by our sinful nature, that we are under the wrath of God, that because of God's grace and mercy, He offers His life through His Son, Jesus Christ, who has gone to the cross to atone for our sins. That's what it means when He says, God is my salvation. And we know if we're willing to turn to Jesus Christ, acknowledging our sins, and truly desiring a relationship with Him based on faith, believing He is the Messiah as laid out in the Bible, that He's the Son of God, that He's the only way to salvation, that He will turn God's anger, His wrath, 
to comfort. That if we do that, he will become our strength, our comfort. The very foundation of the reason we don't have to worry. Maybe you're, maybe you're dealing with a health issue. Maybe it's a, a family issue. Maybe a loss of a loved one. Maybe you're, you're hurting or grieving. Maybe it's a financial issue. Whatever it is, God the Comforter is there. If we believe, if we're part of his kingdom, he is there for us. Not only will he comfort us, but he'll cause all things to work out for our good. Which doesn't mean we're not going to suffer, obviously. That we live in a fallen world, and and though this world is fallen, He seeks to work all those things out for our good, to comfort and strengthen us through it. Not only that, the Holy Spirit seeks to cause us to grow through these times of suffering. Grow not only as a person, but most importantly, grow in our faith, grow in our understanding of what it means to be comforted by God. We've said many times the worst kind of suffering is a suffering with no growth. The suffering with no growth is meaningless suffering. It's suffering for suffering's sake. God causes us to grow when we make ourselves available of that growth through the Holy Spirit in times of suffering. Holy Spirit can teach us what it means to be free, unafraid, strong and members of his kingdom. And we can say, wait a minute, isn't everyone a child of God? Doesn't God comfort everyone? No. That's not what the Bible says. In in 2 Corinthians, only those in Christ have been reconciled to God. Romans, we are enemies of God until we've turned to Christ and we've been reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. We don't like the idea that we're enemies of God. But if we are not in Christ... We are enemies of God. And if we're enemies of God, we're outside of the kingdom. If we're outside of the kingdom, we're under his wrath. Not under his comfort. It goes on three. With joy you'll draw water from the wells of salvation. Members of his kingdom draw deeply from the well of his salvation. Jesus said in John 4:13, "Whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never be thirsty again." The deeper we drink from the well, the fuller we become of Christ, and the greater peace we'll have. You see the key to contentment is being filled with Jesus Christ. We seek, we drink from so many places, mostly of the world. We're searching searching for contentment in the world. 
And that leaves us thirstier for more. And, and, and it's not going to shock you about what I'm going to say here, but social media just intensifies that. Maybe I, maybe I need a new car. Maybe it'd be better if I had a house that was slightly different. Maybe it'd be better if I had a house on a lake. Maybe it'd be better if I had a house over here. Maybe it'd be better if I had a different job. Maybe it'd be better if, if this or maybe that or, or maybe a, even a different spouse. Maybe if I bought a different set of clothes or if I changed my parents or if I had surgery or if I, if, if I just tried this different thing, whatever it is. And by the time I get a little content, I go to Facebook and Facebook shows me all the reasons I shouldn't be content. That there's somebody out there that's got something better. And I need that. And all the time, the Word of God is screaming at us, be content that Christ is sufficient. Do you not realize you are a slave to the world and it's got you on its wheel and you're just running around like crazy? Release that. Drink deeply from the well of Jesus Christ. Fill yourself with Christ. And when you do experience the peace, the freedom, the contentment that only He offers. And when we do that, God says to Isaiah, and you will say in that day, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the people, proclaim that his name is exalted, sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth. Shout and sing for joy, O inhabitant of Zion. For great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. In that day, both the first day and the final day, we're to sing praises. We're to let the world know. We don't need to preach to the world. All we have to do is let them know what's happened to us. The freedom we've experienced, the Peace that we've come to know. We let the world know that that I have something. The wrath of God has been turned in my life to one of comfort. And in that process, I've become a child of God in his kingdom with his peace. In that day, I don't know if that day's come for you. 
the day you've turned to Jesus Christ, acknowledging your sin and, and asking Him to lead you to live a life for Him, part of His kingdom. The day that you no longer live under His wrath, you no longer, no longer live in, in terror of what the world's going to bring your way, what disease or what challenge, but that you trust and live for Jesus Christ, knowing that He is sufficient for that day, and He is there to comfort you. Or maybe you started a relationship with Jesus Christ. You, you started to turn, but it just doesn't seem to have fully taken. Oh, you come to church and and you pray when there's a problem, but, but His Word just doesn't seem to have much for you and, and you don't have much time for Him. And you don't feel you feel the true peace that He seeks to offer others. But you want it. You desire it. You want to really know what does it mean to be fully and completely a follower of Jesus Christ, a son and daughter of God, to know and feel that peace that comes only when we're in Christ. Today can be that day. Whether you've never really seriously turned to Jesus Christ, or maybe you have and yet you haven't fully embraced Him. Today can be that day. Today you can say, I'm going to live differently from this day forward. I am going to seek to know Jesus Christ through His Word, through prayer, through anything I can get my hands on. This is that day. This is the day I look forward to. This is the day that I seek to transform my And come to know the peace. The peace that only He offers when we're no longer under the wrath of God. But we've become His children under His comfort. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we, we acknowledge that we have given you cause to be angry with us. That we've fallen short, that we have sinned. But Lord, we also know that you've provided a way. Give us a clear and firm understanding of what it means to be in your Son, Jesus Christ. Give us a desire for your word. Give us a desire for the truth that is only found in the Bible. May your spirit transform us. May we seek to know you in a way not only when we need comfort, but when we need you. Free us from the grip of the world. Allow us to be in the world, but not of the world. 
allow us to know what it means to truly be in your kingdom. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Redeemer, we pray.